0: Hey, my name is Josh. I'm a business student here at Montgomery County Community College. And today I got to sit down with Abby Grosso. She is the executive director of NAMI Montgomery County. Um, NAMI helps connect people to resources around mental health. Um, This week is Mental Health Awareness Week and I thought it would be a great time to talk about certain issues that we face as students and just people trying to navigate the current pandemic. Hi, Abby, if you could introduce yourself and uh, your background and what you do with uh, NAMI.
1: I would be happy to, Josh. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, my name is Abby Grasso, and I honestly have the best job in the world. I have the great privilege of overseeing the NAMI to uh, help people, I always say, live their best life. Um, a little bit about me. I grew up in Gettysburg, but uh, have been a, a Montgomery County resident for, oh, I think it's 18 years now. So uh, I've definitely put some roots down here. Um,
0: Pennsylvania a, native.
1: Pennsylvania native, absolutely. Uh, I'm a clinical social worker, so uh, I have a master's in social work. And it's funny, I um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna totally date myself. Do you, do you know the the show Growing Pains? It was-
0: no, uh, Not familiar.
1: It's probably like, leave it to beaver to you. <laughs> Um, Growing Pains was a sitcom in the 80s or 90s, but it was uh, about a psychiatrist that put a, a little um, sign outside his house, and he worked out of his house. And when I was in my master's program, that was my that was my plan. And I think you know we should all be open to different plans because I ended up working um, in several different areas within mental health and. Uh, crisis prevention and intervention for individuals. So I worked um, outpatient services and and did therapy with people. I also have worked in people's homes. I've worked with kids. I ran a shelter for adolescent runaways. Um, I've worked in an inpatient psychiatric hospital. And about four years ago, um, in 20 days, it will officially be four years, but about four years ago, I ended up at NAMI. And I think that NAMI has allowed me to bring all of my systems work, if you will, um, and seeing how the system is supposed to work and helping people understand that and that there's cracks in our system. As much as our system um, is meant to, to support people and, and to help, sometimes it can be really, um, it can be tricky. It can be tricky of where to get in and how to, how to utilize services and what actually might be helpful and what might not be helpful and how do you start therapy? So all of my experience um, has kind of led me to this place to really be able to support people and see people learn and grow and get to work together.
0: Congratulations on your anniversary. Uh, your um,
1: <laughs> Thank you, it's almost, almost here, it's exciting.
0: A reference I do know, are you familiar with uh, Peanuts? Say it again? Are, are you familiar with Peanuts, you know, Snoopy?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Or Charlie oh.
0: Brown, the therapist oh. is in?
1: Yes, you can think about the therapist as in. I was just gonna take that little place all around. Um, it's funny how that was my definite. Yeah, I definitely know that one.
0: Yeah, we're we're pretty big in, in into those at my house. We have a stack of uh all the classic uh, Charlie Brown comics. Um, also talk about like, do you can you give us a little bit about how Nami started and where did this unmet where did they come to service this unmet need of uh, connecting people to mental health resources.
1: Great question. So um, I don't know about you, but a lot of goodness in my house and in my house growing up came around the kitchen table. Whether it was um, very passionate uh, arguments over politics or what I was allowed to do, or coming together for a meal, um, learning about something, playing board games. NAMI actually came out of um, a home Ed and Catherine LeBlanc in 1977 in Montgomery County led the charge to have better services, have respect um, so that they could get help for their loved ones who were severely impacted by mental health conditions or mental health diagnoses. Interestingly enough, around the same time throughout the country, this movement really was was taking hold. And um, although our affiliate was formed in 1977, Uh, Our national office was formed by a a woman, um, two women, one of which I had the pleasure of meeting uh, two years ago. Her name was Eleanor Owens. And she spoke at our national convention for NAMI National and really had the same passion and energy um, that families were coming together all across the country at that time because there weren't good mental health systems. You know, state hospitals were one of the only opportunities for people to be well and we want people to be well in their homes, with their families, with their pets, at their yoga studios, in their faith communities. Being well and and having mental health services does not just mean therapy and medication and psychiatry. It means living holistically so that we can enjoy pieces of life and having purpose. NAMI really came together um, around a kitchen table um, for that reason.
0: Holistic was a really, well, as you were saying, that holistic was the word that definitely came to my mind. And I guess it's like we all work in these systems, right? So we're part of a community. And and so, so this past semester, we did a class about connecting family, uh, the, connecting children and community and school together. And we learned a lot about um, the different theories about how children react with their communities. And so like stuff like mental health and 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 it's like it's really dependent on having that holistic structure, as you said, like all those different things that come together to like to to build that environment that they, people can thrive. And as you said, like it's a it's a huge need. I read that um, one in five people have uh, mental health concerns and it's not something that should be just forgotten about. You know, it's 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 here and it's it's needed.
1: Absolutely, and I think that right now it's needed more than ever because we know that one in five, as you said, these are NAMI's latest stats. um, And this data was from the CDC and uh, the National Institute for Mental Health. One in five U.S. adults experience a mental health condition or challenge, one in 25 experience serious mental illness. And when I say serious, I mean Um, a severe anxiety disorder, um, severe depressive depressive disorder, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder. And we know that right now about 17% of our youth experience a mental health disorder annually. So in addition to those people who are reporting how they're feeling and the symptoms they're having, I don't know about you, but in the last few months, I can definitely acknowledge that I've had some anxiety through COVID and and fears of what was going to come next, or, um, you know, just difficulties that emerged through this pandemic and and it being new, and changing Mm -hmm. a lot of our normals. So um, I think that mental health challenges, we can all relate right now to what some anxiety or, or sad kind of lonely isolated days feel like.
0: Have, Have you seen that reflect in the people that are approaching you now?
1: We have, um, so it's interesting, we haven't necessarily had an increase in calls, but we've had um, new friends join NAMI and, and wanna get involved. We've had, um, and we don't receive necessarily crisis calls. So we offer a support line Monday through Friday that would be considered kind of a warm line or a helpline to help connect people. Um, so while we wouldn't be identifying crisis calls where someone's feeling unsafe or really needs um, some interventions uh, at their house or in their community, we have seen people um, coming to join us and be part of us through support groups or, or um, events on Facebook Live or joining us for the walk virtually. So,
0: um, And I think we should, we, should, we should give some background on what is this week, why are we meeting now? um this week is is the week it's called mental illness awareness week and Nami actually has a theme for for this uh this year's uh theme and it says what people with mental illness want you to know so what what does that mean to like what 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 did you what does that mean to somebody like what what do people with mental illness want want to share with people what is i guess that's kind of to do with stigma right so like if people yeah. understood what people with mental illness were thinking or feeling or experiencing then I feel like the stigma would be less. And, and we know stigma is a big thing that's happening all around us in terms of mental health.
1: Stigma is a huge, huge reason. It's the number one reason that most people don't get help for their mental health condition. Um, and, you know, that could follow very subsequently um, or follow very quickly by um, issues having insurance or funding or knowing where to go or finding the right therapist. But, you know, when we talk about NAMI, I really think that NAMI offers the kind of understanding and care that only people with lived experience can really provide, because they know the barriers of getting help. They understand the looks of telling somebody um, that their loved one was diagnosed with a serious mental illness or attempted suicide, or, oh, you know, people don't go to parties, Josh and Cher oh, I started with a new psychiatrist this week, but we should, we should. These conversations are what brings understanding out. And I think that, you know, I love that you just shared um, the theme for Mental Illness Awareness Week because in supporting our volunteers who have some connection and and lived experience in supporting our members who are either passionate again um, about mental health and mental wellness, people want to be treated as people so i don't want to put words in somebody's mouth but i think the biggest thing that people with mental illness want others to know is that their mental illness doesn't define them their mental illness doesn't define them any more than my anemia defines me than my um you know my dad's uh cardiac issues define him or my neighbor's cancer defines her so as we talk about people, we really need to look at changing the language and being conscious of how we're talking. Um, people aren't bipolar. People live with bipolar disorder. Bipolar is not an adjective. It's a it's a it's a diagnosed mental health condition. It's a medical condition. Just no
0: different than any other sickness.
1: Exactly, exactly. So. People living with bipolar disorder aren't their condition. It's not the front running thing that they start off with. They enjoy playing guitar and running and cooking, you know, really good Italian food or gardening or whatever the case may be. But our mental illnesses, our mental health challenges are not who we are. They don't define us. They're pieces of us, just like another medical disorder, whether it's a physical health condition or a mental health condition, these challenges or diagnoses are medical conditions, and they don't define who we are. All of the great pieces of that holistic system that we talked about before, that's what makes us who we are.
0: I, I mean, like, I think a common theme, like when people have certain mental health things, and this might be a consequence of the stigma that comes with it a lot of times it makes people like feel devalued it makes them feel not as worth like kind of worthless mm-hmm. and so someone once gave me like an analogy that they said like if, if someone offered you a hundred dollar bill right and then they took it away before before you you got in and they they stamped on it they threw it in the mud they crumpled it up and then they handed it back to you right what would be the value of that that bill would you still take it you know and anybody who could see would say like, it's still a hundred dollars, you know, it still has value no matter what it scratches, its scars, its, its bruises are, it still has value. It's still, it's still itself beyond its its baggage or its, its hurt.
1: I think that should go up in a billboard because I love it. Um, we all have history. Each one of us, um, has life experiences, experiences that have been hard for us. They've been heavy to carry. Um, And maybe some of us have figured out how to manage things differently, but you're absolutely right. Whether we've been tossed in the mud or bruised or broken, um, the resiliency of people to get back up and find purpose, I think is so, so important.
0: What, What would you say are some of the reasons, like why is it so stigmatized? Why has it come to a place that people treat it differently than any other illness?
1: I think some of it is misunderstanding and some of it's language. Um, you know when you look back over the longevity and the history of mental health treatment, um, if you look up the uh, Norristown State Hospital grounds, they're now now called Norristown State Hospital. So when you hear that, you don't really know if it's mental, physical, just a hospital initially Josh and I, I don't have the exact quote, so I, I'm going to paraphrase and, and roll with me here, but it was basically the hospital an entity was called the Hospital for the Criminally Insane, or, or the Lunacy Hospital.
0: So I, I used to be very into Philadelphia medical history, and okay. I was reading a book, and there was a thing called, the I think it was the Philadelphia Mental Hospital or something, and there was a book, it was like an audit of the hospital, and you read the language in it, and it's also, it's, it's similar to that. It's those, that kind of language that they use, and the way they talk, it's very, very, very different and very interesting to like peer back into how stuff were thought about back then.
1: You hear people being called criminally insane. Well, that feels very different to me than, oh, I live with bipolar disorder or I live with borderline personality disorder or I have really bad anxiety. Those those ways of talking um, have been years and years of really trying to have mental health treatment and the experience and the adjectives that we use explain things in a way that is, that's hopeful, that's respectful of people. You know, and I think another example is we could use suicide. When we look at the word suicide and talk about someone taking their life by suicide as we've just finished up Suicide Prevention Month in um, September, language is really important. My grandfather died by suicide. He didn't commit a crime. He didn't commit a sin. He was feeling lost and hopeless, and he took his life by suicide. So as we as we become more aware of language and um, people's ability to be resilient and strong, I think that that piece comes into a big into a big place of this. But I also think it's calling people out on some of that language. Um, I tell the story when we go into high schools and to talk about stigma, because I don't know about you, I have um, older relatives that when I walk into a holiday, I have an uncle that says, hey kid, you still working with crazies? <laughs> no one can see me right now because those are the statements that take me back um, and, and catch me that I'm like, oh my gosh, people still stigmatize mental health. They still stigmatize mental illness.
0: Do you think the language came before the stigma or the, st- or the stigma followed the language? Like how was mm-hmm. that the way the it was addressed egg. in the first place?
1: Before the egg. Um,
0: I have my own theory, but I'm curious what, uh, what you think.
1: I'm gonna say that the language came before the stigma. That, that's gonna be my, my official stance on that, that question today. Um, I think that when we talk about stigma, it really, stigma—whether it's about mental health conditions, whether it's about, um, you know, unwed mothers in the '60s that they used to take girls out of school. So if you got pregnant in high school, you just disappeared, and ten months later came back and went to school, and you know nobody talked about the fact that you had had a baby. Um, in the '80s, when I was in high school, AIDS was hugely, hugely stigmatized. So I think the whole piece of stigma is a lack of understanding, a lack of education, and a lack of empathy or care to want to understand someone else's point of view.
0: So it was the misunderstanding that came first. And based off that people like would I guess label it in a way that wouldn't be cognizant to what it is. So let's say like I know I've had experience with people, like maybe they come from somewhere or they're from a different generation where these stuff kind of didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds weird, but like Right? So like maybe a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, there wasn't such a thing as bipolar personality or, or any other, the the mental health disorders that they could properly understand how to reference it rather than just put on a a label to what it looked like on surface value.
1: Hmm. I think that's absolutely fair because we don't know how to talk about what we don't understand. And then I also think the media plays and, and Hollywood, um, you know, I, I can tell you some movies that I think have done a really good job. Silver Linings Playbook does a really, um, a pretty solid job of, of demonstrating bipolar disorder. But in that diagnosis, they also are able to demonstrate hope, purpose, um, people feeling fulfilled in their life. But if you throw back to one Through over the cuckoo's nest, An inpatient psych facility does not look like what's portrayed in that movie. Nurse Ratchet does not exist. So um, as as we talk about that, it really is about, I love your word, I just wrote properly understanding down because for us to be a resilient, strong community, we need to do our best to educate ourselves um, on mental health conditions, symptoms of those, but more, more than that way to help and connect with people.
0: Do you see overall it's getting better, you would say? I think people's minds are changing and people's hearts are turning you know, towards being more accepting and understanding towards these different disabilities.
1: Um, I, I, I like to say yes. I do think um, you know, as much as millennials get a really bad vibe, get, you know, they get a bad, a bad rap, I think millennials um, have stood up like a generation, like not all generations before, they're advocating in different ways But through that advocacy, they're letting people know that it's okay to be different. You don't Mm -hmm. have to have the same hair color as me. You don't have to wear the same clothes as me. Um, You can be different and I can be different and we can still coexist. There's there's a less, it feels like there's less judgment.
0: One thing I've experienced, at least through the pandemic, is that less judgment in terms of like my colleagues and stuff being much more open to me about like, yeah, I'm, I'm very anxious about what's happening. I'm not very certain or I'm dealing with this and that. And I, I mean, have you experienced something similar like stigma during COVID? You know, how's, how's that changed the game and how, I mean, I feel that people are being much more open. Uh, in I, that I agree
1: and I don't think there's anything more empowering when you see somebody and they're like, how are you? And you kind of think for a second and you're like, you know what? I'm having a rough day. I have some heavy stuff I'm dealing with. I'm kind of anxious. And when you share that, with somebody else and they look at you or they, you know, or they say back to you, or even if it's a text and they say, you know what, me too. There's nothing more empowering than feeling that connection of, of being understood
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, because that's how we find that purpose. Again, it's how we, it's how we connect with people. And we know that, um, you know, none of us are immune to this whether we want to pretend we are or not.
0: Yeah, 100%. And have you, so going back to trends and stuff, like I'm wondering if any students listening, like what, have you seen anything within students of like how maybe their circumstances have changed or what the responses you've gotten from them or-
1: to have a definitive answer to this question, Josh, because I think that student support is so important um, I was just actually on a call, we did a national day of prayer um, candlelight vigil at lunch and a young woman um, got on the call and she goes to a, a college and was sharing that her counseling center in her college does actually, if you come in with a serious mental illness and have, have, have had a diagnosis, they don't even see you, they send you out. Um, if they do see you, you get five sessions and then you're done. Uh, college campuses across Pennsylvania, and I know the country in the last year to two years have gotten rid of counseling centers. So as our anxiety and our need for support has increased, some college campuses aren't offering that anymore. Um, I think Monco has done a phenomenal job. We've partnered with them on um, a series, actually a series of three presentations last year. Um, we have our walk at Monco, we were just at a, a resource fair, so I think that Monco does a really good job getting information to students and supporting students. Um, but I, I don't have definite. Getting back to your question, um, I feel like it's a hard question to answer because there's been such a disconnect with COVID and being able to see people in person. Um, some, you know, some high schools uh, locally are all virtual. Some are hybrid. Um, colleges the same, whether it's private or or public, or I'm sorry, state or private. So it's really hard to get a a full picture to understand where we, that reality of where we're at, and a true reality.
0: So I know monka has been very on top of it and very flexible and adaptive. So when we went into uh, quarantine, Monka was one of the first ones to introduce Talkspace, which is a it's like virtual counseling, so you get to be connected to real counselors with real real uh uh accreditations and they you can have sessions with them like um and that's super helpful they have amazing partnerships with organizations like Nami and resource fairs and events and and so many so many great resources at at Monco for for these kinds of stuff i mean I'm just talking personally, so I've been really thinking about this and trying to figure out like what are the stuff that like my fellow students are dealing with. And like a lot of it has been like a lot of increased anxiety, um, maybe due to circumstances somebody lost their job or somebody has to worry about housing or somebody has a really hard time doing school online and they're worried about their grades. Uh, in addition, we have things so like people are spending more times at home. So if they have a domestic issue, um, that's, that's really hard for them. So there's an increase in those kinds of problems. Um, and also there's the, might be an increase of like people don't have these um people aren't able to connect to people as much so if if school was your safe place or school was your place where you connected to people that kind of grounded you you kind of lost that when this all happened so there's a lot of those kind of uh, concerns that i'm hearing from from students
1: well and i think you just hit that connectedness is such an important piece to um getting support so for students especially um sometimes it's hard for us to see what's going on in ourselves but it's easier for those that are around us or support us so for students you know not being able to go to classes in person might be really really impacting that ability to connect so it's really important right now Josh that we are all kind of doing daily check-ins with ourselves Um, and it's going to seem really simplistic and really silly but are we getting that know six to eight hours of sleep that we've been told our whole life that we need are we drinking water are we exercising are we eating balanced meals Uh, maybe you want ice cream for dinner one night but you had a really healthy lunch like finding that balance um because without people in our lives to help us see changes we may miss if we're struggling with some concerns for mental health and warning signs might go unnoticed but for college-age students we know that suicide is the second leading cause of death in college-age students. We also know that irritation, restlessness, um, a drop in grades, neglecting self-care, changes in sleeping or eating habits, becoming withdrawn, and a really important one to remember is reckless or impulsive behaviors. If individuals or students are putting themselves in spots that aren't safe, if you know um, drugs, alcohol, Um, daredevil activities, all of those things could be um, warning signs that something's happening inside of us and we're having trouble verbalizing it. So as we look at our normal, um, sometimes it's helpful to keep journals on food and sleep um, and you can even add like feeling irritable today. And if you, I mean, you know, I had an irritable day yesterday. I don't know why it all went away, but just keeping notice of these things in ourselves Um, you know, even if you just keep it in your notes in your phone or a journal, um, maybe keeping that to balance yourself and, and be aware of changes, I think are really, really important. If you stop even reaching out to friends, if you, you know, sometimes when we can't see people and, and our, um, our choices are taken from us, kind of how COVID has taken the ability to do in-person learning for a lot of people. Um, Being aware that if you're not reaching out to fellow students through email or chat or text, are you starting to isolate? So really doing a, a true survey on ourselves for how we're handling things.
0: School well, school has made like a lot of opportunities for us to interact. So we have clubs that are still going on. There's a uh, there's meetups almost every single day that you can sit with other students. So there is a uh, there's the Monco meetups are very good for that. There's many opportunities to meet there. I I would ask you like so as a student who's going through that maybe there's uncertainty in my job or uncertainty in my my greater plans, and and I don't know where to reach out for help. How how does uh, Nami come into play? What how can I use NAMI as a resource to help me get the help I need? Like if I'm of anxiety or I have existing problems from before um, going remote that I had, I'm had, i not able to access the resources anymore, where does NAMI come into play?
1: So again, I think that NAMI is bringing that lived experience um, and an empathy to people that it's it's second to none. It's really helping people connect. But... One way to start is by checking out our social media handles, either um, Facebook and Instagram are at Nami, N-A-M-I, Montco, M-O-N-T-C-O-P-A. We have a lot of different events that are listed on there, but most importantly, um, you could call our helpline that I mentioned earlier, Monday through Friday from nine to three, we have a live person answer that, unless she's on the other line. Um, and Elena would walk through what's available to them. So we started a young person support group um, that's, uh, while our support groups are open to anybody of any age, this specific support group is geared to younger uh, adults who might be um, living similar lives as you were just explaining. Um, But I think that connection that NAMI can provide, we also work really closely with um, mobile crisis with access services. So if someone needs more or they are trying to figure out how to start therapy um, or you know whatever connection they might be looking for, they can reach out um, through again that helpline at 215-361-7784. Um, or our website has an email that people can email questions in as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess that's a, a greater part of like how to like do your self advocacy, right? So like when you're trying to find help, you go like knowing where to go and 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 kind of because there's hesitancy, hesitancy, hesitancy trying to get help sometimes. Um, and knowing that there is people who are there that aren't going to judge you and are going to be able to be helpful and. It won't be super expensive just to make a phone call and you won't be putting yourself into debt and you'll have time for it. <laughs> I think that's super great and, and super, super useful. Um and I
1: think the mention of self-stigma self-advocacy is so important because there's also that other piece that we don't want to harbor is the self-stigma. We don't want to stigmatize ourselves that I don't deserve this or I'm not strong enough to know, get out of bed. So why do I deserve this phone call? That's why you deserve that phone call because you, you know, you're at a place that you're not happy with your life and that, you know, symptoms of a, a mental health condition or challenge are present. Um, it's not about hiding alone. You know, when, when you advocate for yourself, not only you're breaking that stigma, but you're telling yourself that I'm worth it.
0: Well, what about from the flip side? Let's say I'm somebody who observes I'm seeing my friend go through something, whether I think maybe they have suicidal thoughts or self-harm or any other of the multitude of, of mental health things. How can I be a good, supportive uh, friend to them?
1: Well, um, it can be tricky because sometimes the people we really care about, um, they maybe don't want help or they don't know how to get help or they are focused on the bad pieces of themselves that they think um, they're less than or, or worth not worth help. So it's really connecting with people and um, letting them know that you care, that help is available, that you want to be there and you want to be part of their help. Um, I have a nephew that has had several suicide attempts. And when I talked to him, when he came out of one of the hospitals, He said, I hate the word treatment plan, and we've kind of laughed about it, but it's turned into talking about, let's have a wellness plan. Let's really, really talk about wellness and what it is that's going to be helpful to him. So figuring out that his wellness plan includes exercise and sleep, um, letting people know that you want to be here again. And that you're, going, you're willing to help them kind of start the process, even if you don't know what that process looks like. So a way that people could tell a friend that they matter or that they want to help them is by letting people know that they're important to them in their life. So letting a friend know that I'm so glad we're in these classes together. They feel overwhelming. Um, but being able to work with you in these, you know, our projects and, And study together has really helped me feel like a stronger student. And then letting them know that they've noticed something different, that they've noticed maybe that their friend isn't as um, connected to class, or they feel like they have isolated themselves to them. I'm sorry, isolated themselves from them, that they miss them in their life and then letting, kind of asking a very direct question of, are you going through something? Can we talk about something? And and really opening those lines of communication.
0: It's so important to have people around you that are understanding and supportive and maybe even somebody to check in on you because it's sometimes hard to follow up when you're in that state of like being overwhelmed with something. So it's always nice to have somebody who can be there and kind of have your back and keep you accountable. Um,
1: and I think too, is having friends that are, you know, no, no one's going to be a, an expert on our, our mental health system or where to go or, mm-hmm. but having people know that if they have questions, our mobile crisis team from Montgomery County is available 24, seven, seven days a week. And people can call and say, Hey, I'm really concerned about my friend. Can you help me figure out a way to talk with them about this? Um, you also have the National Suicide Prevention Line and the National Text—I'm sorry—the National Crisis Text Line, and that's you know an anonymous way to text about something. So if you have questions about yourself or about a friend and you're not really sure where to go, um, you could call again. You could call our NAMI office to get get some direction on where they might be a good. Um, in, if you will, to talk to your friend. Uh, I also think it's sitting in your friend's stuff, for lack of a better word, with them, Josh. Um, You know, we we all, at least I shouldn't say we all, but I want to help people when they come to me. And sometimes we can't, we can't make things better, but we can be there for people. So telling everybody like, or telling somebody that, you know what, don't be negative. Like, it's okay. People go through bad things or you know what, you'll get over it. Letting somebody know that they're gonna get over it in that moment might not really be helpful, but letting somebody know that they've done hard things before and that you believe in them, those changes in those sentences can be so much um, more impactful by letting somebody know that I believe in you and this feels really overwhelming right now.
0: One, you're talking to their strength and one, you're talking to their weakness, right? So if you tell somebody, that you'll get over it it's meaning that they're weak that they got in that situation and then telling somebody that you're strong and i know you can make it and you're gonna you're gonna you've been through stuff before like you're telling them you're a strong person you have those qualities i think maybe that's a little bit of a distinction like i would much rather somebody tell me that than tell me that i suck and i'll just get over it eventually
1: (laughs) Me me too And I think, you know, during that time that we're talking to somebody that we love or care about or support or, or are in class with, or our neighbor, figuring out from them, from their perspective, is this something that they're concerned about in their life? Because maybe this, is, maybe this has become their normal and for them it feels this has just become how they handle things or um, inter- how they interact with people. But seeing what their perspective is and asking if they've ever dealt with anything like this before, like what they could compare it to, and just helping to guide people to that place that they have some hope.
0: We're a little bit short on time for this interview, but <laughs> <laughs> I had a great conversation and it was amazing to talk with you. Um, if there's anything you'd want to like, tell students or anybody listening here on Monka uh, Monka Raider or elsewhere, uh, something to part with about NAMI, about mental health during the COVID crisis, or about men- the Mental uh, Health Awareness Week itself?
1: Um, I'm gonna, so I think I want to thank you again for having me because being able to talk openly about mental health um, educates people to have a better understanding and thus we're breaking stigma. But I also want to really, really encourage everybody to be good to see yourself. Um, I am doing some some soul searching and I'm trying to treat myself and talk to myself as I would my best friend. Sometimes we can be our own worst critics. And I really um, I encourage everybody, if you've had a bad day, if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling anxious, what would your very best friend tell you? And if you don't have a very best friend, that's okay. There's absolutely been parts of, I'm sure each of our times in this world that we haven't had that very best friend or that um, comrade to get us through, but what would you want somebody to say to you? And that's the soft self-talk, excuse me, we should be using to raise ourselves up, to find our purpose and to get through these hard days. But if anyone needs anything, um, NAMI's here to um, spread help and hope and people aren't alone when they call us.
0: And how can uh, people reach out to you again?
1: Social media, um, Facebook, instagram and linkedin our nami monco website is www nami montco m-o-n-t-c-o-p-a.org and tried and true old-fashioned phone number is 215-361-7784
0: thank you very much
1: absolutely and i hope that uh i get to come back and talk with you more we also are hopefully will have our uh, mental health awareness walk. It's our biggest fundraiser and a huge day for advocacy for mental health conditions. Um, we've always had it at NAMI, Mon- um, Nami. Uh, oh my gosh, at, Mon- <laughs> at Montgomery County Community College. We partnered with you guys on that too. So um, a lot of good stuff. And we hope to be back on campus to provide awareness and support.
0: Thank you for joining us.
1: Thanks so much, Josh.
0: Thank you for sticking to the end and I hope you enjoyed the conversation I got to have with Abby. I wanted to leave you with a few resources and links um, just as a way of signing off. If you need help or you know somebody who needs help um, first is National Suicide Professional Hotline it's gonna it's open 24 hours a day they speak in English and Spanish there it can be reached at 800-273-8255 um, to find out more about a NAMI Monco, you can go to NAMI Monco PA.org, that's NAMI Monco.org. And NAMI also has a hotline, that's Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. They can be reached at 215-361-7784. That's 215-361-7784. Or if you're in a crisis, the, uh, NAMI, NAMI National has text lines, you can text the word NAMI to 741-741. For veterans, they can reach out to 1-800-273-8255 and press option 1. Last but not least, uh, the school has a lot of great resources for us as students as well and those can be found if you search on Connect for Health and Wellness. We can find their uh, Talkspace, You can take a MindWise Mental Health screening or connect with the Student Support and Referral team. I can be contacted at my email address, that's btabannejad6823 at students.mc3.edu. That's btabannejad6823 at students.mc3.edu.